friends, welcome once again for another edition of The Shepherd's Voice here on this beautiful month of December and the season of Advent. And I want to welcome the host of the program, the Bishop of Trenton, Bishop David M. O'Connell. Welcome, Bishop. Good to have you. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be here and good to be here in this as we begin the season of Advent, uh, special time of year. So I, I, one of my favorite, I, I say I love Christmas and Easter, but Advent, I love the anticipation of Advent. I love the, just the idea of what we're preparing for and getting ready for, not just this celebration of our Lord's birth, but his great second coming. Yeah, I do too. I think it's a great thing. You know, I, I just, uh, on a little day of recollection, a retreat day, uh, was given by Father Dave Swantek, who is the pastor down at St. Martha's in mm-hmm. Point Pleasant, where I have my uh, my home there. And he, he talked about the interruptions. That was kind of his theme about how we experience in working interruptions and how we handle those. And, you know, as he was talking, I just thought to myself, you know, that's really a, a one way to look at the season of Advent. You know, here we're going along. It's ordinary time, as we call it in the mm-hmm. liturgical calendar. And, uh, you know, the, the week, one week turns into the next. Then we have the Feast of Christ the King, the big r- reminder of Christ's kingship and uh, really of his, the foreshadowing of his judgment, uh, which we also celebrate the following Sunday as Advent begins, mm-hmm. the first Sunday of Advent. But Advent is an interruption. It's an interruption of ordinary time. And so often in our lives, uh, the interruptions that we encounter or experience can be moments of great grace. Uh, I think of my own work schedule. uh, And really, uh, I I can say with all all, uh, sincerity that that my life is interruption. What do you do for a living? I get interrupted. Mm. And that's, that is truly the case, you know. Uh, in the early hours of the morning, my phone will ring or a text, and it will be a pastor or a priest calling who needs some guidance or assistance or something happened in his parish, and uh, he wants to uh, let me know, and that's the way my day begins. I'm not even fully dressed sometimes when the when the calls start. Uh, I take a day off, which I usually try to do. Uh, I usually spend the early part of the day calling the sick priests in the diocese or looking after those who maybe have some special needs. And then the afternoon, generally people call me because they know I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> and they call with their problems yeah. and their needs or looking for some uh, assistance, and I, I'm always happy to to help. When I'm in the office, you know, I'm sitting doing things or responding. Generally, generally I'm responding to, car, to correspondence that I receive, or I'm writing things for publication or for the monitor or for a website, mm-hmm. and I'll hear the door click, the outside door click, and someone will come in, and I lose my train of thought, mm-hmm. and you know, it could be 25 minutes before I get back to whatever it was that I was doing. And, you know, right. I'm of an age now when it's easy to forget. <laughs> That's right. Been there, done that <laughs> many times. You're doing. But, uh, you know, it's one way to look at it. Really, in a way, Christ's birth was an interruption in mm-hmm. the human race. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the conception, 
the Immaculate Conception, which we celebrate next Wednesday on the 8th, um, was an interruption in Mary's life. Mm-hmm. She didn't anticipate. She didn't expect. Right. She didn't ask for uh, the great favor, the great grace that God gave her in making her the mother of his son. Uh, and so there's a lot to think about during the season of Advent. And, uh, you know, I, I offer that as a thought to, to the folks that uh, maybe look at the interruptions in your life as moments of grace, as opportunities for grace, mm. and ask God in that moment to bless you and to bless the one who's interrupting yeah. and uh, to create, uh, to bring some good out of all of those things. Uh, it's just some, something to think about during Advent. I, but I, like you, I love the season. Yes. It's a tremendous opportunity, really, for us to reflect upon uh, the presence of Christ in our life. What a great blessing and, and uh, gift uh, that the Father gave us in giving us his Son, and giving us his Son in the way that he did it, because there's so much teachable as you reflect upon the birth of Christ, and leading, you know, the fact of the matter is he's already come right. into history. He's already here. And so we know uh, the story and the circumstances of the story. I think of this every year as I'm preparing a Christmas homily. And I'm writing the homily. I'm saying, geez, this sounds like the same homily I gave for the last 40 years. There really isn't anything that changes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, what changes is us. Yes. And we hope that, uh, that the, in this season that we prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ, first remembering the fact that he has come, uh, second, knowing that he comes in mystery all the time, every day of our life. You know, God is... Uh, poking us and presenting himself to us and giving us opportunities really to, uh, to draw closer to him through love. What's the, what's the thing that he asks of us? And what's the hardest thing that a Christian has to do is love and forgive. Mm-hmm. And so uh, his coming in mystery is a reminder that that's, that's the message and that's the call that we have. And then, of course, the, the coming, as you mentioned, in judgment. At the end of time, what that will be, we have no idea. We just know that it's going to be. Mm and that Christ will come to be our judge, and he's going to judge us and uh, ask us for an accounting of our lives, and uh, hopefully we'll be ready for that moment. And the season of Advent is a season which helps us to ready ourselves, whether the coming and judgment is during our life or long after our life is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ will come again. And so in the season of Advent, it's an opportunity for us to uh, be grateful for the gift of Christ in history, uh, be hopeful and watchful for Christ in mystery as he comes to us and mystery, the mystery of the Eucharist, which is the greatest, uh, greatest uh, mystery and the greatest gift uh, because it's the gift of Christ himself and for his coming in majesty, coming at the end of time when he comes to be our mm-hmm. judge. So it's a season of hope that's based upon an encounter, and that's an encounter with, with Christ and the encounters with Christ that we have throughout our lives. The feast of the Immaculate Conception, really one of my one of the most important feasts in the church calendar, uh, and one of my favorite feasts. I love reflecting on that. I love thinking about the fact that this thirteen-year-old girl mm. is called to be the mother of God, and you know she, she she I'm sure she didn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, 
when the angel came to her, when Gabriel came to her and gave her the message? But she said yes, without knowing what it would take, without knowing it would, what it would mean for her and her life. You know, she was planning to be married and uh, what it would mean for that relationship. And, of course, uh, there was a lot of uncertainty there, but she said yes. And that's a lesson for us in this, uh, as this feast comes to us, the Immaculate Conception, that we should pray to God that we have that same kind of faith and trust that Mary had. Because there's so many things that happen to us in life, you know. Who would have expected this pandemic? Right. Let's put it that way, you right. know. And, and all of the, the difficult circumstances that has brought into so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to come back again and again. And mm-hmm. just when we think we've got some relief, uh, we get another uh, another boot in the pants through, mm-hmm. uh, through another variant of mm-hmm. the pandemic. And, and that, too, can distract people from... The season. I mean, people become so involved in, in what's going on with the pandemic Absolutely. and the world. And it, almost as if it, it will divert attention away from really we as, as Christians, what we're supposed to be doing during this beautiful season of Advent. And yeah. Try not to let that interfere. You talk about interference. It ha- that can interfere with our own. Sure, it can interrupt us in, 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 in the movements of our own spiritual life. I think it has. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, history will look back on at this pandemic as really a, a destructive period mm-hmm. in our history. Look at all of the havoc that it's wreaked yeah. in every field of endeavor, including uh, our faith lives and our church lives. Yeah. You know, We didn't know what to expect. We were getting all kinds of different messages about this pandemic in the beginning, you remember? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one turn on one television station or you look on one website or one Mm -hmm. publication or, you know, and you'd see one thing and then you go to another, then you listen to the, to the, the state as it's, you know, and fulfilling its responsibility for safeguarding our public health and Mm -hmm. welfare. And then you listen to the church and then you listen to the splinter groups in the church and your head is spinning. Yeah. You know, talk about interruptions. Um, and then you start to see the consequence of this interruption of our lives, you know, the, the economy uh, shaking, people losing jobs, people not having, going to work, not being able to go to work, people not being able to get together. You know, we had the, those two weeks or so when the, we closed the churches right. uh, in many places. And uh, uh, thanks, thanks be to God that was not long-lasting, but... Still, it was a it was an interruption, an interruption to our our lives, and consequential interruptions. You know, we're still feeling the effects of this in our parishes. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask not, you they're that. Not, yeah, uh, yeah. They're not. Uh, the numbers are not there that were there. You know, we we do a uh, what we call an October count. Right. Right. And that's every October. We uh, we just figure that's a good time. You know, yes. summer's over, vacations are over, people are around and so mm-hmm. we pick a Sunday in October and then we ask the parishes to do a count of attendance and then we compare it to the year before and the year before that and uh, of course to compare it to the pandemic year the first year of the pandemic you know what is not a good comparison because right. people were staying away mm-hmm. uh, but now now that the churches are fully open and we're back to uh, our full practice of uh, of our worship and our sacraments, 
Uh, the the numbers just aren't there. They're, mm-hmm. they're not. Uh, they're they're a little better than the pandemic level the first year of the right. pandemic, but they're not back to where they were before. Right. And I wonder at times if uh, if maybe the fact that people were away or maybe you know the live stream was great because we could get the word of God and we could get the homily and mm-hmm. we could get the you know. Uh, Unfortunately, we received the sacrament. We had to make a spiritual communion, which is a, a very old and venerable tradition in the church anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, the practice of regular daily communion for people only started in the beginning of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Pope St. Pius X. Anyway, you know, people have gotten used to not going to church. Right. And uh, I, I don't... I don't think it's really some intentional decision not to go. It's it's just that you've become accustomed and the habit is there has become just not to get up. I think that I thought that before the pandemic. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people and when you talk to them or when they they come and speak to you in confession, you know, you know it's not a, their intention. They didn't intentionally separate themselves from the church. They just let themselves get lazy and the laziness became a habit. And the habit just took over their lives, you mm-hmm. know. But what I what I want to say in all of this is it's time to come back. Yeah. And maybe this season of Advent, this season of hope, this season of encounter, this season of expectation, and uh, the season of conversion, you mm-hmm. can put a lot of terms there that describe the season of Advent. You know, John the Baptist this coming Sunday, you know, he preached a baptism of repentance mm-hmm. and forgiveness. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it's time for people just to say, "Hey, let let's get back." Right. Unfortunately, though, I think a lot of people there's a faction of people who are listening to the news and watching the you know reading the papers about the and the fear is still there that there's yeah, something the fear, out there that there is a fear I'm going to be exposed to. You know that. And I would a, say to people, you know, still, mm-hmm. you know, and this really isn't something new. The church had this. Uh, this uh, approach even before the pandemic. If you're sick, <laughs> don't come to mass. Stay home. Yeah. You know, and if you're feeling sick or you're feeling some, maybe some of the symptoms that we're learning about for the, this pandemic, stay home. Right. Uh, you know, the mass is still available on online or through the live stream. Right. Uh, but if you're well, right, and back. God knows, <laughs> if you're well, God come come back. If you're That's feeling right. fine. You know, get off the chair, right? And put down the coffee cup, yeah. and go to mass. Give a give an hour a week to our blessed Lord who gave you His life. Mm. You know, it's time to come back. Yeah. And uh, whether you wear a mask or not, or whether you sit uh, every other pew, however it works out, you know, it's still the opportunity is there for us to hear the word of God to be joined to our brothers and sisters in community of faith and to receive our Lord. The most precious mm-hmm. thing that could, the gift we could have in this earth is yeah. to receive our Lord in Holy Communion. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's the, I think right now things are back to normal. There are no more restrictions, at, right? There. I mean, the, no, nice, the hymnals know, are in the pews. Is that, is that up to the Yeah, pastor? I don't think so. You, you know, the, uh, there, there are some parishes where the first Sunday of Advent was the first time they went from like the parish hall oh, okay. back into back the church. Into church. Okay. Uh, they set that as the goal. And I know myself in going around and celebrating masses, you know, as you look out at the congregation, you know, 
maybe half are wearing masks and half are not. Mm-hmm. Half are a little bit observant to the protocol. The protocols, you know, are there for a reason. But, it, you know, we, we, we have, what do you call it, uh, lessen them or uh, do away with them, but we, we, we certainly are Is not. Is it an individual choice? It's it, become it, more or less, yeah. you know, you know, and, and I feel that way too mm-hmm. now. You know, you're an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, had, we've been dealing with this long enough, so you know what the situation is. Right. Uh, you don't want to expose yourself to something that's a problem. You don't want to expose someone else to that. But right now we have not, we haven't heard of anybody from who's, who's uh, uh, been put down because of the pandemic right. going to mass. Well, think back, you know, three, four years ago when we'd go to mass in the wintertime and all the sneezing that was going on. Oh, yeah. Handshake Handshakes of, you know, <laughs> and all of this other stuff. People wiping their noses. Yeah. Nobody thought twice about it. But I think throughout the Diocese of Trenton, we're, we're pretty much back on track in terms of, uh, of our practices and mm-hmm. celebrations. And, you know, some adjustments are made like in confessionals, and that's fine. Right. And, and the the parishes seem to say, hey, well, we like that. You know, it was an interesting thing. You know, this year we gave the uh, the ashes out using uh, right. Q-tips. Yes. And that was the, uh, or some other instrument. Right, right. And as I was preparing for that to make that the practice, you know, I'm saying to myself, oh, we'll get a lot of complaints. And, you know, we get complaints about everything, but we get a lot of complaints about this. So we did it. And the response that I got back is, that was a great way to do it. It wasn't messy. We could make a good cross on people's foreheads. Can we do it next year? Oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> so I said, well, there's trend. an example of something that, that, uh, that worked. Some, in some of the confessionals, they had to recon- they restructure the confessionals. Sometimes they had confession in the pew, mm-hmm. and the penitent would come, you know. Right. It's interesting that, the practice of the sacrament of penance, which I encourage people to to reconsider during the season of Advent. You know, most parishes have an Advent penance service. You know, mm-hmm. which is a great time to go and uh, and and celebrate the sacrament of penance, to go to confession, and and really to get rid of a lot of the garbage that's in your soul. Right. No reason to hold on to it. Right. Time to time to get rid of it. But uh, you know this this this. Uh, Sacrament uh, of penance is a, is a wonderful opportunity for uh, encounter, but we've adjusted some of the uh, some of the confessionals. And people will see that. My point, you know, you can see what kind of teacher I was. I'm always going <laughs> off on a tangent. You know, kids could get me off very easily. Uh-huh. Uh, but I just want people to realize that you know it, it's time to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, for those who were affected by the panic. Pandemic time to come back for those others who weren't affected by the pandemic, just weren't going to mass. It's time to come back. Yeah, come back to church. Yeah, so we're still not seeing the numbers. The numbers are just not there. They're creeping up, but they're creeping up slowly. That's the message that I get. Yeah, and as far as the sacrament of penance is concerned, you know that's a that's also uh, there. There are some parishes that schedule penance, sacrament of penance, two or three times a week. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be just a Saturday afternoon. Right. Right. The old, I can remember my father piling us all into the car. Sure. And, but I don't know what to say. You're going to confession. <laughs> right. So, but uh, the the experience that I hear from priests is kind of discouraging. You know, they'll, 
they'll go in the confessional and maybe two or three confessions. Mm. Two or three, that's for the whole week. Yeah. Just two or three yeah, confessions. Yeah. Other parishes, they hear confessions nonstop for an hour, an hour and a half at a right. time. So I wonder why. It's just varied all yeah. over the diocese, different mm-hmm. different reports that I get, you know. Who knows? Yeah. But, the, you know, the invitation is there for the church to come back. Come oh, back, absolutely. Come back to everything. Absolutely. This time of year especially. It's the new, new liturgical year and a new, new year. season, new year. That yeah, come back. that's yeah. right. It's New Year's. Mm-hmm. So make it a new year. Yeah. Uh, of course, we have the Synod. That's still, uh, we're still doing a lot of good. I just finished a, uh, a video, an instructive video uh, for the Synod, which I will be passing out to the parishes mm-hmm. for their use. You know, I, I hope they'll po- post it online on their parish websites and people can just casually look at it when it's about eight minutes. Mm-hmm. I'll post it on the diocesan website and social media. Uh, again, just reminding people that we're in the midst of the, the first part of the synod. You know, it's three parts, the diocesan part, mm-hmm. the Episcopal conference part, the national part, mm-hmm. or what they call continental part. Uh, and then the, uh, the Universal Church part, which will be in Rome, be the last year, mm-hmm. uh, October of 2023, with mm-hmm. Holy Father present. So we're in the di- we're in the beginning stages of that. Um, and basically what we're trying to do is trying to gather folks together uh, in the parishes uh, and have what we call synodal listening sessions. You know, I, I, I did one with the deacons of the, mm-hmm. the diocese at their annual convocation. And it was about a half an hour, really. It wasn't a lengthy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you know when, when you're, when you're uh, talking to people when, when it's time to end. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> people aren't speaking up. Anyway, mm-hmm. we did it with the Senate. And, and what I did, which was not easy to do, believe, believe mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. as the bishop to just stand at the podium to call on people to speak up, and they shared what was their feelings and their and about what about what about exactly? their faith and just about the faith, yeah, that, personal it's, yeah, within the person. parish or uh-huh. they could say whatever they want. To. Okay, you know, there's no uh, there's no script to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have kind of scripted it a little bit. Yeah, uh, like in this video, I asked them, you know, what's your experience of God right now? Mm-hmm. One question I raised, what's your experience of uh, your faith right now? And then finally, how can the church help you with either or both mm-hmm. or more? And so those are, you see where we're going with this. You know, we're trying to get a sense of people, you know. Were you finding a common theme among the majority of them? Or? Mm, you know, what I would say is... Those who have done it, we're just at the beginning stages. Right. We're, we're doing training sessions okay. for the pastors and for parish leaders, mm-hmm. the lay folks who are, you know, have significant positions in the parish, the catechists or directors of religious education, or whatever right. their position right. might be, right. Right. pastoral associates, um, and just giving them an opportunity to, to, to see how to, how to do this. Mm-hmm. Because when you think of it, it it's a synod... Uh, on synods, right? It's about what it is that how, how to talk to one another, and how to listen mm-hmm. to one another, and that's not easy. So I anyway get back to the. Here's my going off track again. Getting back to my <laughs> <laughs> my 
story here is uh, when I did the deacon convocation, the mass, I always do the mass for them, you know, and that's mm-hmm. always a great occasion for me to see the deacons and their wives, but many of them bring their wives to the, to the, uh, to the little retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gives me the opportunity to talk to them. And I do every year. I, and I give them the opportunity to ask me any questions that they have. Because, uh, you know, I, I have much more direct contact with the priests mm-hmm. uh, than I do with the deacons. But I do try to keep in touch with the deacons. In fact, I told them that I was a little disappointed that over these years I have uh, sent them messages on the email messages. And, and I said, I never get a response. I don't even get a response at Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know, I, I told them that. And yeah. I said, you know, that surprises me. You know, it's a one-way street here with communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after the convocation, I started, hearing, <laughs> I started hearing from the deacons, which I was very yeah, happy yeah, to. Good. I, I am happy to hear from them, sure. you know, and whatever they want to say. But as, as we did at this session after Mass, and I just said to them, open forum. Just mm-hmm. say whatever you would like. Yeah. And and I will listen to it because I'm the guy that at the end of the day have to mm. to uh, to respond. What was the deacon's main thought? Uh, I think many of them seem to be focused on uh, the Eucharist mm-hmm. and Biden and Pelosi receiving communion. That that came up several really? times as something that was a concern mm. to them or something they wish the church would do something about. And, but I'm standing there, and, and, and the idea here is I'm not responding to him. I'm just listening. Right. So Tough you, to do? So you could say, <laughs> it was very hard to do. I can imagine. Because it, they would come up, some of them, with some things, cockamamie things, uh-huh. you know, and, and they, it was clear that they were misunderstanding yes. or, or didn't have a sense of it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to respond. I think I, I, think I said something in response mm-hmm. to one thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just couldn't hold back. Right. You know, what was it? Wasn't a big deal. But anyway, the point was listening. And really, after that session, I thought, you know, really, that was very, I was very gratified, first of all, that they spoke up and they mm-hmm. shared. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was clear that many of them were going in one direction, but still, that was what was on their mind. Yeah. So it's yeah. a valid part of the Senate. And that and, was a topic in Washington, too. What's that? That was the the, the, the uh, Eucharist and giving communion. Yeah, and I'm going to get to that yeah, in a minute. Yeah. You know the uh, the, uh, the the or Baltimore, uh, wherever you are. We have Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah. We've been in Baltimore for for a while now. Mm. But uh, just the idea of me as the bishop listening right to this group of individuals mm-hmm. who are clergy, of course, they're deacons. Mm-hmm. But still, the, the, to to listen as I try to listen to the priests and as the pastors are going to be doing this in their parishes, which is going to be very good. So I hope people will participate, and uh, I hope that the the sessions will go well. At the end of this process in April, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to have to uh, take uh, all of the responses. You know, I'm asking the parishes, you know, someone to take notes of right. the sessions mm-hmm. and send to me the basic. Themes, just like you asked, what was the theme? What, mm-hmm. what were the themes in the session? Mm-hmm. And then it's up to me to kind of distill all of those into a ten-page report, which I in turn will send to the bishops' conference, and they in turn will send it to to Rome to mm-hmm. the Holy See. You know, mm. uh, 
I'm and just, the idea is, if, in, at the end, in 2023, is to, to what, Bishop, too? Here's what the world thinks. Mm-hmm. Here's what the world's Catholics think. Here mm-hmm. are some of the things that are on their minds. Here are some of the things that we as the Holy See or we as the Bishop's Conference or we as the individual bishops in his diocese, here are some of the things that, that we should keep in mind and maybe maybe reflect on and pray about. And uh, You know, it's not a time, and this, this will happen, I'm sure, to debate the same old, same old. Right. Uh, well, women's ordination or gay marriage or, you know, this is not the time for that. And that's not the purpose of it. And it's not the purpose of it. Where many people may, unfortunately, assume that this is what it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, this is going toward. to be a democratic, exactly. populist thing. Right. And, you know, if, it's going to change uh, the church. If 400 people in the parish say that they should have women's ordination, then we should have women's ordination. Right. That's not what this purpose, and I don't singling out women's ordination, but right. that's the thing that comes to mind. Right. Because it, it's the thing that comes up a lot. Right. Um, but this is not, the purpose of the synod is not to, and the Pope said this, to talk about the same old debates. It's what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. If that's what's on your mind, well, then that's what you would say. But don't have the expectation that just because you say something that that's going right. to change. Right. You know? and I think that sometimes I experience that with, uh, with communication I receive from people. They think, you know, I get a letter from one person who will give me an idea, and then they're disappointed that I don't respond mm-hmm. and change whatever it is they ask for, mm-hmm. simply because they asked for it. You know, mm-hmm. you know. I listen to and read the the, the mail that I receive, mm-hmm. unless it's unsigned, and then I don't read it. But um, I read it, and sometimes I respond, sometimes I don't. Well, it depends on the topic. It depends on a lot of factors. You know, the person really has never manifested any investment or support for their parish. I mean. Then all of a sudden they write to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll they'll get the response that they merit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the synod is ongoing, and we'll you you'll hear more and more about mm-hmm. this as time goes on. You mentioned the the uh, Eucharist uh, and in Baltimore. You know, we had the meeting, the the meeting of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Right, it was the first in person meeting we've had in two years. You know, we the bishops meet. In June, and that's usually kind of a retreat meeting, although it's slowly creeping into a regular business meeting. But the November meeting is the main meeting. And so we had the November meeting in person in Baltimore, and it was a very, uh, you know, there was a great spirit there. You know, Mm -hmm. guys hadn't, the bishops hadn't seen one another for a while, so guys were happy to visit and see one another Mm -hmm. and greet one another and shake hands or fist bump, whatever mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. was their practice, you know. And uh, the, the meeting itself was scaled down. I mean, there wasn't a lot of social social things scheduled, simply just because in Baltimore there, there were, I mean, we had to wear masks mm-hmm. for the whole session inside the hotel. Um, so that was uh, something. And... Uh, was that a decision of the conference or just yeah. the, the hotel? Well, the, it was a decision of Baltimore. Okay. The city itself? city itself, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we were you know, following, the, and, the, and this the hotel mm-hmm. told us beforehand that that mm-hmm. was the expectation. So anyway, we're, we're, we, we had the meeting, and the, the meeting was a pretty easy meeting, uh, we had the normal business items, you know, every year, every year you're electing chair, different mm-hmm. chairs for different committees or 
We elected a new general secretary for the conference, Father Reginald Fuller, and he will uh, be the principal architect of, of, of the meetings and of things that are coming out of Washington, mm-hmm. of the, the base there. Some people have the sense that the bishops are based there in Washington at the conference headquarters across from the National Shrine, and that's, not, that's where the staff work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bishops are all back in their diocese as they're required to be. But you know, Jim, the the big the big item that was hyped since June, the June Zoom meeting, yeah. and even before that, since the the November meeting, the November Zoom meeting uh, around election time mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, the Eucharist. This document on the Eucharist. What was it going to be? Mm-hmm. And there were many, many people who wanted it to be kind of a uh, a corrective mm-hmm. to politicians who receive Holy Communion and yet promote or support abortion or pro-choice position mm-hmm. or other things that are contrary to the teaching of the church. And it's unfortunate because the... The idea of a document on the Eucharist was hijacked quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think the bishops, some of the bishops were at fault for this. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we had the meeting, the, not this November, but November before, last November, mm-hmm. by Zoom, uh, the, the president of the conference, Archbishop Gomez, the Archbishop of Los Angeles, very fine man, uh, he, he, he gave a... Um, uh, talk or uh, spoke. Uh, none of us expected him to speak about uh, dealing with the the new administration. Biden had just been elected. Right. And, you know, he's uh, certainly a baptized Catholic. Mm-hmm. And makes no bones about saying that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he embraces positions that are contrary to the teaching of the church. I mean, right. that's the fact. Right. Uh, and goes to mass. Uh, he goes to mass and does what ordinary Catholics do. You know, you, you see him praying the rosary. You see him, but uh, you know, I'm not pointing that out for any political reason. It's just the fact of the matter is he's baptized Catholic, practices his faith, but embraces positions that are against the teachings. Is that, that scandalous? Do you consider that scandalous? Well, it. it, it because we know his position. We know what his position, what his position be, is. It would be scandalous if people didn't really know or understand abo- what abortion means or what what the how the church looks at it or you know and and uh, they they see someone practicing it who who, uh, who they believe do- doesn't get challenged or doesn't get corrected or doesn't mm-hmm. get spoken to um, and uh, but scandal technically I mean. It, is leading other people to sin. That's mm-hmm. that's what scandal is. Mm-hmm. It's not just the, you know, oh my God, it's uh, it's leading people to act in a way contrary to mm-hmm. what our faith tells us mm-hmm. and what the church's teachings tell us. I don't know that that happens as a result of any particular politician, but there are people who say that it's scandalous and there are people who feel that it's scandalous and there are people who, who really feel... Uh, that that these these women and men who embrace a pro-choice position or support it or promote it should not 
be allowed to receive communion. Is that his bishop's role then, though? I mean, is, 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 well, is it's not aside from the conference. What, what, I'm, what I was saying pastor. here is, is that, the, the, you know, the whole Eucharistic document, mm-hmm. or the U- Eucharistic uh, uh, approach of the conference was hijacked because that issue was put front and center, mm-hmm. and then it became you, the document. There should be a document that speaks against these politicians. Mm-hmm. Right. That was not the intention of the bishops' conference, even though some people say, "Oh, yes, it was. Yes, it was." You know, I'm a bishop. I was there. Right. right, right. <laughs> I participated right. in the discussions. Right. And it was a reaction, really, more than anything else, to that. That Pew study, you remember a few years sure, ago? Sure, sure. Where they said that maybe a third of, exactly. of Catholics really understood the real presence. Or believed in it. They and or believed in it. And the rest yeah. you know, looked at the Eucharist as a symbol. Right. right. You know, and, and, I, and I always try to make a point of this when I visit somewhere and I celebrate Mass or something to talk about the Eucharist. As, this is the real presence right. of Christ. This isn't a symbol. Right. And I've said that in a number of places. Uh, very, very recently, I said it in a parish. Anyway, so the, 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 the doctrine committee of the bishops' conference sent out to write a document, and you know the press were, were unrelenting on pushing this uh, issue with, uh, with Biden and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, I'm not saying that that shouldn't be addressed. That should be addressed. But it wasn't the purpose of the document. The document was to be a teaching document, an inspirational document about the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And so the document, we we had the meeting that everybody's saying, oh, what hype. And some of the bishops, even in the months leading up to the meeting, they spoke very strongly about, uh, you know, the political side of of communion. Mm -hmm. And then the other side was saying they're weaponizing the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. So it was a... It was a tense, kind of a tense time. When we got to the meeting, in person, really, the first session was an executive session, which meant the cameras were off, the reporters were out of the room, it was just the bishops. Right. You know, butter would melt in their mouths. These same guys (laughs) who were screaming and yelling on the microphones Mm -hmm. outside, when they were inside... uh, they they made their points, but they made them points gently and mm-hmm. respectfully and fraternally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the bishops voted, and they voted on the document, the draft of the document, and it was document was approved, uh, you know, with by a large margin. And it's a beautiful document. It's a document on the Eucharist, mm-hmm. and it's accessible on the bishops' website. And I think there's probably a link to it on the diocesan website mm-hmm. as well. But in that executive session and I'm not going to go into any detail because it was confidential, it was a very, very, very fraternal and respectful and Mm -hmm. good session where everybody had their chance to say what they wanted, but they all did it in a very good manner. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like what you heard leading up to the bishop's meeting. And so the document came out, and it's beautiful. Now, I haven't spent a whole lot of time uh, with the document, uh, you know, talking about it or writing about it or Mm -hmm. preaching about it. I'm saving that for this Eucharistic revival, which is coming, which will begin next year with the Feast of Corpus Christi. The church is going to, the church in the United States is going to uh, enter into a real intensive period of of reflecting and thinking about Mm -hmm. the Eucharist. And I have 
co-chairs of the commit and a committee that's already put together to come up with ways in which we can try to highlight mm-hmm. uh, what the Eucharist is and try to get people who have kind of fallen away, get to draw them back to the right. to the faith. So Corpus Christi 2022 coming yeah, up. It's mm-hmm. coming up, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think we'll probably, we have a parish, Corpus Christi in Willingboro, and mm-hmm. I think maybe we'll, we'll use that as our kind of launch pad for mm-hmm. uh, the Eucharist. So the I, I think what, what confuses people, Bishop, is, as you said, the document is really just a, a core foundational teaching on the Eucharist church's teaching. That's what it is. And not intended to point fingers or direct toward any particular segment of the population or individuals. Or person. Or person, and that the application of that document then is the, the individuals. The document gives a very nice presentation on worthiness to receive communion. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. It's no different than it's ever been. Right. What What constitutes worthiness to receive communion? You know, free from serious mortal sin. Right. Um, and uh, uh, and that applies to everybody, every baptized Catholic who has. Uh, and every mortal sin, not just one. Yeah, in and particular. every mortal sin. Sure, sure. <laughs> and but uh, you know, the 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 mortal sin of uh, of abortion is. Included in that, mm-hmm. okay? But the document is not about that, mm. about the Eucharist. You know, there was another document that the bishops came up with. I don't know whether you ever uh, saw it. In, in 2006, uh, you know, uh, that was a beautiful, beautifully written document on the Eucharist too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was of the mind going into the meetings, uh, both in June and in November, that we had this beautiful document already written, you know, there there isn't a whole like Christmas. There's not a whole lot new you can say mm, about right, it. So, right. uh, and and I want to make sure, you know, I asked the question: Well, who's going to read it? Are, are people going to read it? Is it going to make any difference in their lives? And we're spending are the people lot, who need to read it going to read it? That's yeah, that's, that's, the, that's yeah, the important well, that's part, the thing, right? You know, and <laughs> you know, it's good to preach to the choir every once in a sure, while, but we have sure. to realize, you know, there's a there's a segment of the population out there that the peripherals, fall- Holy Father calls it, right? Going yeah. out to the peripherals, but there's some that have fallen away. Yeah, and I contend that they haven't fallen fallen away because they made a deliberate choice. Some have, but I don't think the majority have. They drifted. They've drifted mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And we got to drift them back into the church. So this this teaching document is beautiful. We're going to begin this Eucharistic revival. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that word usually is associated with kind of Pentecostal mm-hmm. or the evangelical right. uh, kind of celebrations or whatever. But uh, we're using that term, and uh, there's ultimately going to be a pilgrimage and a Eucharistic con- National Eucharistic Congress going to be held in Indianapolis oh, okay. in uh, 2024. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a two-year revival beginning in 2022. You know, I'm of a mind myself as a bishop and as a priest, you know, you can never say enough about the Eucharist, even right. if it's the same thing. Right. You know, look at the Scripture. Scripture doesn't change. You keep reading that. Keep mm-hmm. reading the same thing. That's you know, right. You get different that's insights. Right. That's different. right. So that's hopefully what's going to happen here, and we're going to have to come up with ways to get people, again, back to church. Um how much time do we got, Jim? About 11 minutes. Oh, good. Cause I wanted Your blue to get... clock up there is telling you what, how much time oh, we have it? left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about something else, too, in addition to this, and that is in our parishes in the last couple of weeks, we did a program called Called by Name. Mm -hmm. 
This isn't something invented by the diocese. It's been around for a while in which the diocese asks the parishes, the pastors, to uh, to give a homily on the National Vocations Awareness Week right. that the Bishop's Conference sets uh, every year and uh, in the beginning of November. And bookends on two weekends to talk about vocations and promote vocations to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, 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 we don't have enough priests currently to serve yeah. all the needs that we have yeah. in the way that, you know, when I was young growing up, we had three or four priests. Sure. In yeah, me too. You know, now we have one maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe the parishes are merged or combined, <laughs> you know? So we really want to try to raise people's consciousness of the need to promote vocations. And so we, we took this program that had been developed years ago and we implemented it in the diocese, two weekends preaching on that and having pew cards and asking the people in the pews, asking the people, who do you see in your parish that you think might make a good priest? Mm-hmm. Who do you see? Who gives you that vibe? And write the name down yeah. and just drop it in the basket. And we'll do the rest. We'll contact them and we'll invite them to... You know, and, and many times, right. you know, my experience has been uh, both here and in, in previous positions, you know, when you when you ask a young man, when you say to a young man, you know, you people think you'd make a good priest. They mm-hmm. told me you'd make a good priest. They're really honored by that. Mm-hmm. They're complimented mm-hmm. by that. Now, some say no right away. Well, not me. <laughs> ask the other guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. But at least you're, you're, you're raising people's consciousness, awareness. Mm-hmm. My traveling around the diocese, I always ask the young men that are serving mass or reading or hanging around, you know, there's some, you know, they want to get their picture taken with the bishop or whatever. And I'll say to them, do you ever think about becoming a priest? You know, in every single place I've been, someone will say, yes, I have thought about Mm -hmm. it. So this is an opportunity to kind of raise up those people who have thought about it as well as those who maybe haven't thought about it, but should think about it. And so what we do is we, uh, we, we, do this thing in the parish, and then the parishes send us the cards, the pew cards, uh, after the pastor sifts through them, because some people write smart remarks on the cards, mm-hmm. you know, you would expect, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so we get the cards, the serious recommendations, and then the vocation director, Father Porzinski, and those who work with him, he has some priests who are assistants to him, Father Swift, Father Koch, Father... Uh, Chris Dayton, mm-hmm. Father uh, Chris Calavito, Father Walter Kitchen. We have a whole group, Walter Kitchen. Mm, right. and, uh, and then Carol Norbert in the office there, his staff. And we go through those cards, and then we make the contacts, and we invite them. And we invite them to a, uh, a Mass, which is going to be January 8th. It's going to be at the Co Cathedral. It's a Mass and a dinner mm-hmm. for all of those maybe who would like to come and. Just come and see. You yeah, know, they're yeah. Called by name. Their mm-hmm. names are on those cards. Yep. So we called them <laughs> by name. And so far, we've heard from 21 parishes. Yeah. Uh, I hope all the parishes did it, but, you know, you know, some parishes don't, yeah. they don't do anything I ask them to do. <laughs> but uh, hope, hopefully they did it. So far, we've heard from 21. We have 121 names. Wow. So far. 
Wow. And so hopefully by the time the rest of them get around to sending them, we're going to have a good group. Mm-hmm. We'll invite them to the mass. You know, some will come, some will not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that maybe give us a core group. Right now we have nine seminarians. Yeah, yeah. We had 11 in the beginning of the year. Two have indicated to us that they're going to leave at the end of the semester, in mm-hmm. December, at the end of December. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nine seminarians, mm-hmm. and they're in various stages of formation. So we have... Uh, we have a good group of guys. They're wonderful. I'll see them. I always have a Christmas mass and dinner with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one ordination to the diaconate in, in the end of the uh, academic year, mm-hmm. which will be very, very good. But then we need more. Right? Yeah. And not just numbers. We need quality people who yeah. feel committed to the priehood and to just helping to serve people. Mm-hmm. So that's. I but this is in, a program that has worked in other dioceses. Other right? dioceses mm-hmm. have had tremendous response for this. Yeah. You know, neighboring dioceses, just for Philadelphia, mm-hmm. they have had a great response from have this. Mm-hmm. Got a large number of, of men uh, into the seminary who, who maybe hadn't even thought that they would be in the seminary. Right. The, yeah, they have the opportunity to discern, talk to to the vocation team, and mm-hmm. uh, and come come to us. So. So if you're out there and thinking about the priesthood, even if you haven't, even if your name didn't appear by on a pew card somewhere, I call you by name. Yeah. Come and uh, contact us. Let's That's check our cool. website out. Uh, God is calling you is the name of the website. And mm-hmm. That, that uh, will provide you lots of information. So what are your Christmas plans? My Christmas plans are these. Uh, I'll have, uh, I have Mass at Nativity of Our Lord Parish, in Fairhaven, mm-hmm. at four o'clock on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. Father Grogan's great guy, Father Grogan. I ordained him. You know, mm-hmm. Father Grogan was married, yes. has children. Mm-hmm. He's a father who's a and, father, and he's a father, he's a real father. Mm-hmm. And of course, he lost his wife. God be good to her. And she, he, he was a deacon, and he became mm-hmm. a priest. And mm-hmm. he's he's a marvelous uh, pastor, yes. good good man. Mm-hmm. So he said to me, he says. You know, we're in Nativity Parish. Wouldn't it be nice on the Nativity that the bishop comes? <laughs> so I says, uh, you don't have to sell me on right, it. I'm happy right. to come. So, okay, good. So I'll be there for uh, for Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas Day, uh, I uh, I don't have any particular plans on Christmas Day um, other than cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think I have a public mass scheduled on Christmas mm-hmm. Day since I'm doing the Christmas Eve. Um, so uh, I'll just enjoy, relax a little bit. Good. And, you know, I, my brother will come visit and mm-hmm. we'll exchange gifts and then some priests might stop in and mm-hmm. we'll see what, see what I'm up to there in terms of cooking. I haven't decided <laughs> yet. And, and we just had a, a great turkey and ham Thanksgiving and nice big meal and all this bread stuffing my mother's recipe I always use. And, uh-huh. And a great feast, but I, I sometimes think, ah, just it's just a couple of weeks ago I made turkey. Why am I going to make it again? So, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I'll see what see what I what I have up my sleeve. All I'm not right. sure. Well, that sounds good. But I, I haven't really developed. Uh, you know, I've been I've been having some challenges with right with so mobility right, and all right, that. So right. I, I didn't overload the ske- the calendar sure. because of that. I have some surgery coming up. Mm-hmm. December, so I ask your prayers for that, and um, hopefully, will the new year will bring strength and stability and good health to to all of us and to uh, 
through your shepherd as well. He well, needs, he needs to. Uh, yeah, I'm sure many, many, many people, Bishop, praying for you constantly. Oh, they're great, you know? you know, and I hear people say that all the time, and yeah. I love them. And you know, this morning I was over at St. Anne's here in Lawrenceville. We had where we had our Chancery Day recollection, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sitting there before the talk, and this woman, whom I seen there many times. Uh, she waved to me across the church. She was going in to make a visit to the bus attacker. Mm-hmm. And she comes out, she comes, makes a beeline over to sit next to me, and she sits down and she tells me how much they uh, they love their pastor in that parish and how grateful they are to have Father Lines de la Cruz there as pastor. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy to hear that because every once in a while you get some complaints or something like this. And, uh, you know, I think Father's a good man and yeah. much Unfortunately, that's a parish where sometimes they you get a group together and mm-hmm. then they, they start to get a little negative. But uh, just seeing this one, she was so happy, her tears in her eyes, and oh. she was so happy. And, oh, Bishop, I pray for you all the time. And, <laughs> and I was so happy to hear that. And I hear that frequently wherever I go, you know, and I'm grateful for the prayers of people. And, uh, you know, I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to stay. <laughs> Stay at the helm and do the best I can to leave the diocese and serve the diocese. Well, we're uh, thankful and grateful to have you as well, Bishop, and I wish you a very blessed and happy and holy Christmas and happy New Year, and we'll see you next month. Yeah, happy uh, happy New Year to you. God bless everybody. Have a wonderful Christmas. Use these weeks of Advent well. Don't let them pass you by. Amen. You Amen. Pray and, uh, and, and be filled with joy. Amen. Thanks, Bishop. Merry Christmas. <laughs>